June 17th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf Lametet Amud Bet. If you count from the top of the page, it's five lines down. Uh, there's just the second word on the, pa- on the line. Says the Gemara, Lefichach kol echad vechad vechule. The Mishnah is talking in this context about how we would turn to the witnesses before they would testify and warn them. We would give them the strict warnings of telling them the severity of what they're about to do, the sanctity of life and so forth. And at the uh, conclusion of several pesukim and mentions of this importance, the Mishnah mentioned the pasuk, Ba'avod Resha'im Rina. It's Pasuk in Mishle, which says, Ba'avod, Milashon Aveda, with an Aleph, which means lost. With the loss of even Rishaim, uh, wicked ones, there's Rina, there's happiness, there's rejoicing. Of course, that's in contrast to righteous ones. Righteous ones, there's no joy, there's sadness at their passing. The Gemara is going to be Doresh, that Pasuk, in the context of the death of Ahav, who was Ahav. Ahav was Melech Yisrael, he was the king of Israel during the time of Eliyahu. We don't have such positive uh, re- um, memories of him. We don't have good tastes in our mouth when we think about him. Because Ahav was the one who aided the Nevi'eh Ba'al. He brought Abu Dazarah. He and his wife were destructive to our Kedushah, to our uh, religiosity, if you will, during that time period. Anyway, at the death of Ahav, who died at war, the Pasuk says, Vaya'avur harina bamahaneh. So those are the words. Now the word rina in this context is a reference to like the announcement. The announcement went out in the camp of Yisrael that the king had died, that Ahav had died, and as a result everyone was to go home. Everybody retreated from fighting. That to a certain extent designated the loss at war. But the wording in the Pasuk specifically is harina. Instead of just saying an announcement went out, it's the announcement. And that word rina we're already sensitive to from that Pasuk that I told you a minute ago. Ba'avod resha'im rina. Rina has some sort of song-like, rejoiceful a rejoicefulness a type of uh, thought in our mind. As a result, the derashah ve'yavor harina, what sort of rina, ha-rina, with the heha yedi'ah, is it referring to the announcement, the rejoicefulness? Amar bi'ahabar hanina, ba'avod resha'im rina, what is it that that pasuk in Mishle Kivyachol is, uh, is, is prophesying about? Ba'avod ahav ben Omri rina. At the death of Ahav ben Omri, there was and there will be Rina. So again, just piecing it all together, it's a derasha. The pasuk says that the Rina, the Rina went out at the death of Ahav. What's the Rina? An announcement went out. No, the announcement, so to speak, the announcement that we should have expected. How and why should we have expected that? Because that's the pasuk in Mishle of Ba'avod Resha'im Rina. There are, there is Rina. There's that uh, happiness. There's that songful-like uh, state of being at the death of wicked ones. Ahav was a wicked one. The pasuk, the Gemara continues, and it says, Umi Resha'im. Is it really so that Hakadosh Baruch Hu Kivyachol rejoices at the death 
uh, or deaths of the, of the wicked ones. I mean, if the Pasuk is describing, if the Gemara is understanding the death of Ahav as being Rina, not only as an announcement, but Ba'avod Rasha'im Rina, it's rejoicing, it's happiness, it's song-like. Is it really so? Does HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kivyachol really rejoice when even the, the, the wicked ones die? Doesn't the Pasuk say, HaKetiv Beset Lifnehe Halut Ve'omrim now pay careful attention to this pasuk. You'll notice this pasuk is missing one word that we generally would have in that sort of pasuk. Kitob. So the pasuk is describing, as Rashi explains, Yehoshaphat. When Yehoshaphat goes to fight and win against the Ammonim, the pasuk says that they were able to say, Hodula Hashem, let's uh, be thankful to God, because his chesed, his good kindness is with us for eternity. But what about Kitob? Where's the goodness? Shouldn't we say because it's good in his eyes? Exactly making this derasha again in the context of a war against Amon, who were the wicked ones, who were against us. Why does it not at this war and this this thankfulness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu mentioned Kitob, that it was good for us and in the eyes of God. Rabbi Yonatan's statement in turn is because even though it was good for us, even though we were able to triumph at war, nonetheless, there were people dying. But they were wicked people. We wouldn't and shouldn't mention Kitob in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that context because it's the death of human beings. Of course, the Gemara is in the midst of a contradiction. On the one hand, you told me when Ahav died, well, it was Rina. On the other hand, you're telling me that when wicked ones, when Ammon died, when we won at war against them, we're not mentioning Kitob. Along the same lines of not in the eyes of God, at the very least, rejoicing at the death of wicked ones. De Amar Bishimuel Bar Nachman, Another statement in the name of Rabbi Yonatan. What does the Pasuk mean in Parashat Bishalach? As Am Yisrael are passing through Yamsuf, it describes Velokarav ze ilze kol halayla. Of course, it's a reference to Am Yisrael and the Egyptians, that neither one of them came close to the other. Don't think that they were on our heels directly behind us, that we felt them breathing down our backs. No, They didn't come close to us the entire night. But those words already, ze are reminiscent of something we say a few times every day. We say in the tefillah, vekara ze ve'amar. We say it in the nakdishah, in the kiddushah. We say it in the kiddushah de Yosera as well. What's vekara ze'ilzeh? What are we describing over there? What we're describing is the prophecy about the malachim, about the angels turning one to the other and crying out loud. As a result, the reference in the pesukim of velokarav ze'ilzeh in the eyes of the hachamim is triggering images of angels. What do angels have to do with Am Yisrael as they're passing through Yam Suf? The derasha goes as follows, says Rabbi Yonatan, at that time as Am Yisrael are passing through Yam Suf, the angels wanted to sing a song of joy. 
sing out in front of God a song at the death of the Egyptians. Baruch turns to the Egypt, to the Malachim, to the angels, as it were, and he says to them, My handiworks, my human beings, those who I crafted, even the Egyptians, even those who persecuted, quote-unquote, my nation, but they're as they're drowning at sea. You want to, you have in mind to sing a song? How terrible, how inappropriate. Now, of course, for our purposes, and that's what we'll focus specifically on. What's that? Interesting, hold that thought for a second. But for our purposes at this moment, what we're noticing is, this is a further contradiction. Is HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowing for himself, Kivyachol, to rejoice at the death of wicked ones? On the one hand, by Ahav, Vayaviru Rina. There's Rina, which we understood as a joyous song, so to speak. On the other hand, we're saying that with Yehoshaphat, we don't say Kitob. On the other hand, we're saying with the Egyptians, uh, they're not allowed to say Shira. So there's this few... Th- yes, Charles. Isn't that one of the reasons why we don't say Halil on Ejizu uh, It's an interesting point. Hold that thought as well. Hold that. You're thinking about day seven. Uh, give, give me a second to get to that. First, Charlie's question. Charlie asked, but Am Yisrael did sing a song. Am Yisrael sang Az Yashir, of course. That's Maharsha's question and many of the others. So there's, again, Maharsha is asking, he says, you're telling me that Kivyachol, God turns to the angels and says, don't sing a song. Yet every day we sing Az Yashir to commemorate the fact that Am Yisrael sang a song. It's as if that was positive. It's, it's recorded in our Torah. There was something good about them. What are you talking about? They weren't supposed to be doing so. The suggestion is several different uh, directions. First and foremost, Maharsha points out that perhaps there's a difference between Az Yashir and Halil. Perhaps they were specifically, quote-unquote, looking to be Mehalil, with the specific and particular words of Halil, which are designated for absolutely joyous occasions. As opposed to Az Yashir, perhaps is a little bit more descriptive, maybe less in terms of the joyousness. That's a suggestion, but the Gemara never says they wanted to say Halil. The Gemara says they wanted to say Shira. If anything, it's reminiscent. It makes us think about Shira Tayyam. So there are different approaches to this matter. My favorite is always what Chacham Obadiah Yosef quotes in his Sheilot Tishbot Yabiyah Omer in the context of Halil and Yom HaSma'ut. And he's quoting from Maran HaChida long before Yom HaSma'ut, but it has relevance to Yom HaSma'ut because the question is, again, during the time of winning at war, is it ever appropriate to sing a song? So what Maran HaChida points out in the context of this question, if I'm not mistaken, is as follows. He says that there's a difference between the spectator and the person who's not being saved singing a song and the person who's being saved. For Am Yisrael, who are feeling the Geulah in it of their own lives, for them it's appropriate, maybe mandatory for them to be thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Alternatively, for the Malachim, quote unquote, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to have that joy, to have that song inappropriate. You're not feeling it, you're watching it, it's inappropriate. If it's happening to you, you can attribute it to the moment and say it's appropriate. Alternatively, if it's separate, it's inappropriate. Uh, there is there is a, another th- strand of thought with regards to this. If I'm not mistaken, Torah Temima quotes it from Nesiva Velazhin in his commentary to the Torah, that maybe you should distinguish between when it's happening and after it happens. That maybe this was in the midst of it happening, Inappropriate. He turns to the angels and says, Don't don't sing about this. What's that? 
After, that's right. So Torah Temimah suggests in the moment, uh, maybe hold off a little bit. Maybe let's see how this plays out. Maybe, so to speak, experience this in this moment before you focus on the deaths of others. After the moment, as you're taking stock of what took place, that's Am Yisrael, and that's his Medayek, if I'm not mistaken, the Lashon in the Gemara. The Lashon in the Gemara is Be'otasha'ah. Be'otasha'ah means at that exact time, as opposed to Am Yisrael, who look back on it afterward. These are each vantage points and directions for understanding, again, the distinction between, quote-unquote, the Malachim in this story and Am Yisrael with Shirat Hayam, and by extension, whether it's appropriate, as Hacham Avadya Yosef is discussing, on a modern-day miracle like uh, Yom HaSma'ut, like uh, Yom Yerushalayim, if it's appropriate then as well. Uh, I will mention that uh, along those lines, I mention it almost every year on Pesach in some context or another, that if you take our middle approach, the Maran HaChidah approach, you very much understand the words in the in the Haggadah on Leil Pesach, and I'm getting to your point in a second, Charles. In Leil Pesach, we go directly from saying that uh, everybody's Hayav Adam Leharot Yasamim Yasami Misraim. You have to mention, we mention in the Haggadah, everybody's supposed to feel and realize, what's that? Breaking up. Uh, everyone's supposed to realize, uh, Charles? Yes. Rabbi, yeah. Uh, breaking up. Uh, everybody's supposed to feel and realize that they're leaving Egypt and, and demonstrate that they're leaving Egypt right now. Then the Haggadah says, Lefichach, therefore, Hayavim, Lehodot, Lehalel, and so on and so forth, we go into Halel. The only reason we're commanded and able to say Halel is because we're experiencing this in this moment. That's, of course, in contrast to the angels who are not experiencing it, and to us, if we were just bystanders, people who are watching it. Now, what Charles mentioned earlier, parenthetically, is on the seventh day of Pesach, there is a question, Bet Yosef quotes this from Shibole Haleket, as it's from the Midrash in turn, and that is on the seventh day, which commemorates traditionally the day of Kiryat Yamsuf. We have all the days of Pesach, but the seventh day is traditionally Kiryat Yamsuf day. Why don't we say Haleket? on that day. Uh, so the Midrash, Taz and others quoted as well, quotes uh, that, that it's uh, this Gemara, or alternatively a different Pasuk, that Bimpol, uh, uh, that, that as the uh, wicked one is falling, you're not supposed to be singing song. In other words, it's attributing it to this Dirasha, this sort of concept in the Gemara, again, in a, somewhat of a real sense for us. It's not just a story. Okay, but bringing it back to our moment in the Gemara, the Gemara says, well, if Ahav had... Uh, this death, and we were in turn rejoicing, or we envisioned God as rejoicing more specifically. Is that true? Is that so? I thought I have this Midrash, I thought I have this Dirasha, each from Rabbi Yonatan, in which God doesn't rejoice during the fall of the wicked ones. Amar bar Hanina, hu enosas aval acherim mesis. The Dirasha goes as follows, he distinguishes between if God is rejoicing or if he's allowing or bringing forth the rejoicing of others. Who, meaning he, God, and Osas, he doesn't rejoice. Aval Aherim, but others, meaning Am Yisrael, not his angels, not his legion, but others, Mesis, he'll bring happiness to them. 
That's how we distinguish. By Ahav, of course, he brought happiness. The people are happy as he does. The wicked king is gone. Fantastic. It's all hail the real king in this moment. Alternatively, in contrast to moments where it's we're looking at God, Kiv for his reaction. There's no sason. Dikaname, we can be doresh this from Pasuk in the Torah, Tehtiv, Yasis, Veloketib, Yasus, the Derashav, Yasis. The understanding is he's Mesis others, he brings joyfulness to others. He's not Sas, he's not Yasus. He himself is, so to speak, not rejoicing. Shema Mina, period, says the Gemara. We can understand it as such. Yes, Sammy. Sure, but it was inappropriate. The Gemara is challenging, or, or we're challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but it was appropriate, not, not to worry. I, again, the, the understanding, the, the primary understanding that I'm trying to bring forth is that if you're rejoicing over the salvation, the fact that others are falling as well can and should be a footnote for you because you're feeling the salvation. As opposed to if I'm observing this as, a, as another, so those are the good guys or the bad guys. I feel good for the good guys, but ultimately speaking, I'm noticing the bad guys just as much because I'm not invested in this. These are not me that it's happening to. Says the Gemara, being Doresh the Pesukim further by Ahav. And so the death of Ahav brings forth well, that the Navi describes all sorts of things. One of the things it describes is Vehazonot Rahasu Kidvara Dibir. So Basuk says, Zonot. Zonot sounds like harlots. Rahatsu, they wash? Are they bathing themselves at the death of Ahav? What sort of reference is that? So the first of these Dirashot is going to read it not as Hazonot, the harlots, but rather as Hazonot. The Gemara will sometimes interchange those, the Het and the He, uh, because in, in the context of Dirasha, because of course if you read a Het properly, it, does, it sounds very much like a He. If you read a Het like a Chaf, you can't understand this derasha, right? So if we read it as hazonot, instead of hazonot with a he, it's a reference to hazon. Hazon, uh, hazon means a vision. Hazon yeshaya, when we talk about his hazon, we're talking about his prophecy. So hazonot then will be a reference to visions or prophecies, nivuot. What's the derasha? Marbil azar lemarek, to cleanse or to shine forth. Uh, to sparkle, so to speak, this death of Ahav brought forth the shining, the beaming forth of the two past prophecies, one of Ahachel Michaihu, the Ahachel Eliyahu. Each of these prophets, Michaihu and Eliyahu, prophesied about the death of Ahav. As Ahav dies, as the Navi, you see, there's a sparkling forth, a, sh- a beaming, shining vision of the past nevuah, and we all feel it and see it. On the one hand, by Michai, who the Pasuk says that he prophesied, Im shov tashuv b'shalom lo diber Adonai. If you'll return with peace, ahav, then so to speak, God is not speaking. In other words, he's prophesying. He's being menabeh. You're not going to return safely. Ahav, you're going to die. By ahav dying, we see the shining forth of the hazon, the nevuah of Michaihu. Be'eliyahu ketiv, be'makom ha'shelah kikua kelabim etam navot. The Pasuk describes how, so to speak, 
or, 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 or physically, the, the dogs are going to come and lick the blood of you, Ahav, and indeed it was. So it means in that moment, reading the word as the zonot, as hazonot, rahatsu, cleansing those nivuot and allowing for everyone to appreciate them. Rava says, no, 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 read it exactly as it says, not hazonot, read it as hazonot. One second, the harlots were bathing at the death of Ahav, what's that mean? Rava Amar, zonot mamash. It was actually a reference to harlots. What, what are you talking about? Ahav ish mesonen haya. Ahav was a cold man. It's a reference to his drive for sexuality. He was not sexually driven. And as a result, his wife, Izevil, who was no better, was actually worse than him, was interested in being involved with him sexually. So she looked to inspire him, to heat him up. What she did was she had drawn for him in his chariot two visions, two pictures of harlots. So that as he's out in his, char- his, his chariot, he looks at the walls, at the tapestry or wherever these pictures and uh, tapestries were, he looks at them and he's inspired to coming home and being with his wife. So he'll see them and become heated. And as a result, as Ahav is killed and the blood spurts forth from his body, it cleans off, so to speak, it covers and colors those zonot images in his chariot. So it's an actual reference to not physical zonot, but images of zonot, which are now rahatsu, they're now, they're now bathed with blood. Okay, the pasuk then continues, or the pasuk did describe the death of Ahav. Pasuk said, V'ish mashach bakeshet letumo vayake. The pasuk says that a man pulled forth his bow, litumo. That word is a curious word. Litumo is a hard word to translate. Tam sometimes means innocence. Other times it means complete. What's the reference of this bow being pulled, this bow and arrow being pulled, litumo, two interpretations. Lefitumo means it was almost accidental, it was without aiming. It was an innocent pull. Some man pulled back on his bow and arrow, and what happened? The arrow went and it hit Ahav, and the Pasuk, so to speak, describes it as happenstance. It happened to have happened, Litumo. The guy wasn't aiming, per se, at Ahav. Rava Amar, Rava, let's look at this. Both of them, ultimately speaking, are not taking Kivyachol God out of it. If anything, they're pushing God into it. You looked at it and you thought it was an innocent, accidental thing. Come on, there was a higher order taking place. That's the first interpretation. Alternatively, don't even translate it as litumo, that the guy didn't aim it. Understand it instead as a reference to the will and the direction of God, litumam, litamem, excuse me, it's to close off the two Hazonot, the two Hazonot, the two prophecies of uh, Eliyahu and Michael. You understand one of two interpretations. Either Litumo means the guy, so to speak, didn't mean to, or alternatively, it's to close off, to make complete, right? Tam Vinishlam means complete, to make complete those prophecies. Those are the two interpretations here in the Gemara. Okay, the Gemara will go onward and it will talk about an individual who worked for Ahav. His name was Ovadiahu. Ovadiah, who worked in the kingdom of Ahav, and he emerges as a prophet. So let's read a little bit about.
about him. First, there's the Siman Kara Vizaka Be'edom. Anytime the Gemara has those, it's a mnemonic for remembering the direction of the Gemara afterwards. We generally speaking don't use it because we don't memorize Gemarot, unfortunately, any longer. It says the Gemara Ketib. The Pasuk says the following Vaikra Ahav El Ovadyahu Asher Al Habait Ve Ovadyahu Haya Yare Adonai Meod. The Pasuk says that uh, Ahav turns to Ovadyahu. He's the man who works and is in charge of the household of, uh, of Ahav. And then the end of the Pasuk says, and you should know, Ovadyahu was a God fearing man. I was one have to my kama. Was one have to do with the other? And I bring it into my uh, store, and I say, okay. And here's my manager. He's a God-fearing man. I don't know, have to do with anything. I'm just all I wanted to do is talk to the manager and buy some purchase some products. All I wanted to do is to see how your household works. Why does it, why does it mention in that context that he was God-fearing? Amar Bitzhak, or Bitzhak interprets it. Amar le Yaakov Ketiv. Ahav Kivyachol turns to Ovadiah and he says, Do you know what it says by Yaakov? Nihashti Vaivarechani Adonai Biglalecha. The Pasuk says that, uh, that Lavan turns to Vaivarecheni, excuse me, turns to Yaakov and he says, Nihashti, I looked into this through my sorcery and I was able to determine that Vaivarecheni Adonai Biglalecha, God brought blessing for me because of you, Yaakov. Kivyachon Lavan Harasha understands and admits in that context, Yaakov, your presence brought forth Biracha. Bi Yosef, similarly, the Pasuk says, by Yosef, who's in the household of Potiphar, not a great guy either. Vaivarech Adonai et Betamisri Biglal Yosef. Pasuk says that the household of the Misri of Potiphar was blessed because of Yosef. Kivyachol Ahav turns to Ovadiah and goes, and what about you? I brought you here, and you're God-fearing. Well, you can't live up to Yaakov and Yosef. Speaking in third person, but about himself. The household of that man says, Ahav to Ovadiyahu, Lahava Mivrich, is not being blessed. Perhaps you're not God-fearing. Maybe that's why. Maybe, I, you know, I brought you in here. I thought I had a Yaakov and Yosef situation. Maybe you're just not. Yaseta bat kol ve'amra haya yare et Hashem me'od. And the heavenly voice uh, emanates in that moment and states, and that's our derashah of the pasuk, and you should know, ahav, this guy's a good guy. Anything that's happening wrong over here is because of you. It's a crazy thought in the eyes of the hachamim. They envision ahav as being more wicked Kivyachol, or literally, then Lavan and Potiphar, not two wonderful people in our Torah. That's how, okay. Aval beto shel ahav eno mezuman libracha, that's the end of the batkol. You should know he is a God-fearing individual, but your household is the problem. Amar bi'aba gadol shene'emar be'ovadyahu yoter mima shene'emar be'avraham. A crazy statement. Rabbi Abbas says that it's greater the way the Pasuk describes Ovadyahu than the way it describes Abraham. Cautions Maharsha. This is not to say that Ovadyahu was per se greater than Abraham. Oftentimes the Torah will be sparing in its words. It won't tell you everything about the greatness of the individual. But it is significant that the Navi will describe Ovadyahu in a way that's greater than the way the Torah describes Abraham. How so? Di'ilu ba'Abraham lot kitiv me'od. The Pasuk says in the context of Abraham after the Akedah, what's that, Bereshit, Perkaf Bet or so, 
It says, because I saw that Yere Elohim Ata Velo Hasachtat Bin Echad Yechidcha Mimeni. Your Yere Elohim. But by Ovadiahu, what did the Pasuk say? It said he was Yare Elohim Me'od. Ovadiahu Ketiv Me'od. Me'od means a lot, in an abundant fashion. As a result, the Rashav of, of, of Rabbi Abba is, you see, the Pasuk attributes the Me'od specifically and only to Ovadiahu, not to say, says Maharsha per se, that he was greater, but the Pasuk speaks about him as, so to speak, having the greater Yirat Hashem. Look at that and appreciate that. Amar Bitzhak Mepene. So to be its haq, I mean, we just finished talking about how what a wonderful person he was, and it's a little bit of a funny question. Why did he get to prophesy? He was a great guy. He was he? okay. There are many, there are many God-fearing, very pious individuals, but only the select few get nivuah. What was it about Ovadiahu that got him that nivuah, that presence, so to speak, that spark of inspiration from Borei Olam? Uh, Pasuk describes uh, there in Sefer Melachim how Izevel was looking in Ahav along with her to kill all the prophets in Israel, the good prophets. And Ovadiahu works in their home and is aware of this he takes a hundred of them, takes fifty and puts them in one cave and fifty in the other cave in order to hide them and preserve their life. As the Pasuk says, The Pasuk describes how he saves them and hides them. He stashes them away in two separate caves. That's why he got Nevoah. But now that we're talking about that, let's understand that. Why didn't he put a hundred in one cave? Why fifty in one cave and fifty in the other cave? Rabbi Lazar suggests Mi Yaakov Lamad. He learned this as a lesson from Yaakov Shinemar, Nishar Lifleta. As Yaakov is about to encounter his brother Isav, we know about this from the beginning of Parashat Vaishlah. He takes one group of his people and family and he puts them separate from another group. And the idea being if one of them are struck, at the very least we have a remnant group. Rabbi Abahu Amar Rabbi Abba says it was a lot more practical than that. It wasn't per se he was learning from Yaakov. It was that the cave didn't hold a hundred people. So don't read too much into it in your dirashot with regards to Yaakov. Uh, some of the Mefarshim point out that it's different in Yaakov and others. Iyun Yaakov, excuse me, and others. As a, that Yaakov is about, to, he's about to involve himself in combat. So there's a fear. One group will be knocked out, and I'll have the remaining group. Over here, he's hiding them. Once one is discovered, you imagine the other one's going to be discovered as well. Once he's aware there are hidden ones, perhaps that's why Rabbi Avau disagrees, but that's the mahlok over here. Continues the Pesukim. There's one prophecy, one nivuah we know about from Yovadiyahu, last thing we'll learn here, and it's about, it's a prophecy, it's a nivuah about Edom. Why is Yovadiyahu? prophesying about Edom. So before I go onward, I, I didn't mention to you a moment ago, when the Gemara asked that question about why Ovadiahu got Nevu'ah, so I said he was God-fearing, Rashi explained the question of the Gemara in a greater way than, than I even did just a moment ago, of course. He says that Ovadiahu, and he knows it from this segment of the Gemara, was a convert. He was a Ger. And as a result, the question really is, it doesn't really match. Not that Gerim are not wonderful people, but generally speaking, as Rashi quotes from the Midrash, we assume 
assume that prophecy Nivuah is going to come to the Miyuhasin Shabi Israel. Lihiot Elohim The Pasuk describes how you and your descendants will get that prophecy, that close connection. So the question really was if he's a convert, what's he? Why is he the one who merited prophecy? It's with that, that concept that Rashi has that he was a convert from this Gemara right here. Let's just read it quickly. So the Pasuk says that Ovadiah has one Nivuah. It's about Edom. Why is it that he has one prophecy and it's specifically for the nation of Edom? Ovadiahu is the direct foil and contrast to Esav, whom we see, of course, the Torah tells us to see as the father of Edom. Ovadiahu lived in between two wicked people, Ahav and his wife Izevil, and he was a good guy. He was a Yare Hashem. He is the direct foil to Esav, lived amongst and in the midst of two righteous ones, Yitzhak and Rivka, and he's a wicked one. And it's the perfect foil for prophesying about them. Amar Ephraim Maksha'ah, and this is what I was referring to a moment ago, this alternative view, Ephraim Maksha'ah, for one reason or another, he was known as the hard Ephraim. Uh, maybe he was involved with Kishu'im, he was involved with uh, with cucumbers, alternatively he had hardened legs of some sort. Talmidoshil Rabbi Meir, he was a student of Rabbi Meir. What's Mishum Rabbi Meir? He said it in the name of Rabbi Meir, and here's the answer to again, why was Ovadiah prophesying about Edom? Ovadiah Ger Adomi Haya. That's what I was referring to Rashi just a moment ago, that he was a prophet. He was a prophet, listen to where he came from, from Edom. And that's what people say, the following aphorism. Ovadiah, so to speak, in our context, he's the one who came from Edom, and he's prophesying negatively about Edom. People have similar statements. They say, They say that from the forest, the tree of the forest, is the handle of the axe which cuts down the future trees. In other words, sometimes, and we know this from our own Jewish history, in many contexts, of course, this might even be some sort of knock or vision of the negativity of Christianity. Oftentimes, the biggest enemies, the greatest adversaries, are the ones who came from within. Here's Ovadiahu, who came in the vision of Ephraim Maksha'ah, in the name of Rabbi Meir, from Edom, and he's the one who's being menabeh negatively against Edom, the handle of the axe oftentimes comes from the same trees that it's cutting down. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.